to Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! Playoffs? What talk about? Playoffs? You kidding me? I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Hello? You play to win the game. They're down to the 20. All the band is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. I don't believe what I just saw. One of the all-time shockers. Hi, everybody. I'm Mitch Goldich, and welcome to Episode 6 of my very creatively named Mitch Goldich Podcast. My guest today is a reporter for the Big East Digital Network, covering mostly college basketball, She's also done sideline reporting and color commentary on both men's and women's basketball games for Fox Sports 1 and ESPN 3, and she's also a former D1 Hoops player herself. Her name is Kim Adams. Hello, Kim Adams. Thanks for being here. Hi, Mitch. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be on. You have a special distinction. I don't know if you know this, but we are six episodes in, and you are the first guest I've had who I actually know in real life instead of just somebody I reached out to or I know through Twitter or something like that. Oh, well, that's exciting. I'm I'm honored to be the first person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are breaking barriers here. Now I don't know if I'm going to have to worry about uh, friends or anyone else, like, bugging me to be on uh, now that I've broken down this wall. <laughs> but I think I'll deal with that if it happens. Um, so the reason I wanted to have you on this week is because I know you just had a crazy week with the championship tournaments, and it's March Madness now, and you're doing mostly college basketball stuff. So uh, could you just tell us a little what your last week was like? You're out in Chicago and then back to New York. So how did you enjoy championship week? Sure. So um, actually, even before going to Chicago, I started off in Binghamton um, for the America East Women's Basketball Championship. Uh, so I, or their tournament rather. So I did all of the quarterfinal games and then their two semifinal games. Um, so that went really well. It's, a, a ton of preparation because um, you're preparing for eight different teams and four games on one day and two on the next. Um, fortunately for me, this was my second year doing their tournament. So there was a lot of the same faces, same coaches. Um, I knew the storylines and then I had done about three regular season games for them. So I'd already seen five of the eight teams live um but it's it's still a lot of preparation updating the notes and hopping on calls with the coaches that i hadn't seen yet um so i i went up to binghamton friday called four games uh saturday starting at noon i believe we wrapped up around 10 or so so it was about 12 hours at the arena beautiful arena up in binghamton um and then we had the two semifinal games on Sunday. So once you get past those four quarterfinals, uh, two games, doesn't seem uh, too tough and you've already seen the team. So it's, it's a little bit of a break. Um, and you, did so I wrapped you, were, up there. you were on color or sideline color for those games, right? Yes. Sorry. Yeah. I was the color commentator, color commentators um, for all six of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, I drove back home uh, to White Plains in Westchester County outside of Manhattan. Probably got home around 10, uh, was scheduled to leave for the airport Monday morning around 6. Uh, so I did a quick suitcase change, packed up my clothes, um, and from there I was going to be going to the Big East Women's Tournament in Chicago and then straight to the Big East Men's Tournament in New York. Uh, I was being put up in a hotel, so that was the last time I was going to be home for about a week, so I had to pack everything. 
Um, so yeah, I flew out to the Big East uh, women's tournament. They already played two days, so I was getting here for the semifinals. So I worked uh, one of the broadcasts on Fox Sports 1, which is my first time being on Fox Sports 1. I had been on Fox Sports 2 uh, in January. That was my first national TV debut. So this was my second, but first on uh, their their main network. That went really well. And then I got to do the championship as well. Um, and that was between St. John's and Creighton and ended up being a little bit of a, a low-scoring game. We had some really exciting semis. Um, but it was exciting. St. John's won their first title in almost 30 years. And I had, I had caught a bunch of their games, done color for a few, sideline for a few. So I was pretty familiar with them and the players and, and the coach. So it was exciting to see that. Um, so that wrapped up Tuesday night and uh, grabbed a, a quick bite to eat, went back and packed up. And I was back on the plane uh, Wednesday morning where I actually missed my first flight because the security at O'Hare, the security line was about an hour long. So I missed my first flight, got rebooked on another one about an hour later. Uh, and went straight to my hotel and then right over to Madison Square Garden. Um, so for those games, I wasn't working the broadcast, uh, just kind of doing general coverage for the Big East Digital Network. Um, so we went to the awards ceremony and interviewed the individual award winners and then would cover all the games and do a recap after each session, do interviews after each session. Um, so that, that was four days Wednesday, and we just crowned our champion Seton Hall on Saturday night, and that uh, championship game was really incredible. St. John's, I'm sorry, uh, Seton Hall versus Villanova. The garden was packed, sold out. Um, so that was kind of the perfect way to end a very long week. So then, so yeah, that whole week, and then still willing to, to chat with me on Monday night once he got back. Um, I <laughs> I have a lot of follow-up questions, but I have to start here. So you missed the flight. What happens then? Did Is that you dealing with the airline, or did you have to, like, call your bosses and tell them you missed the flight to, to get you rebooked? What was that like for you? Yeah, so um, the biggies, they book all my flights through uh, our travel agency. But um, once, I, once I got there and I saw the line, it, it didn't look promising that I was going to make it. Um, so I decided to just call the airline and kind of see what my options were. Um, so they told me I would be able to get booked on the next flight. My original flight was 7.50 a.m. This one was at about 9. But they told me I should do it at the airport because it, I would save money on a change fee or something like that. Um, so then I had to go find a ticket agent. They booked me on the next flight, told me that I technically was on standby, but there were plenty of seats and I'd be fine getting on the flight. Um, so then the security was so long that I literally almost missed that flight as well. Uh, I got to the gate pretty much after the whole flight had boarded, and they said I was second on standby, and they were still waiting for a few people who had been checked in. So I guess there was a little bit of miscommunication there since they told me I would definitely be on the flight. Um, and it turned out I was the very last person to make it on the flight. I was in the back corner seat. Uh, but at that point, I was I was just happy to be on a flight. I think I would have been on another one maybe an hour and a half later. I mean, that's the good part about flying between two major cities. But I definitely was going to be cutting it a little 
a little close to what time I had to be at the garden and I still needed to shower and get ready uh, and all that stuff. Um, so that was a little bit stressful, but once I got on the plane, kind of took a deep breath and regrouped. Yeah. So it all, it all worked out. Um, so I, I'm curious now, so because you, you work for – a lot of your uh, on-timer work is actually for the Big East Network and then I guess their site, and then you've also you, – Fox Sports 1 and 2 and ESPN. So how does that work with, like, uh, reporting for different groups? Is that, like, the Big East Network helps set that up for you, or do you kind of do that on your own, or, like, did Fox reach out to you? Like, how do – sort of these like different uh you being on a few different networks like how does that all come together and and like logistics kind of work out sure so um i am part-time with the Big East, which is what kind of allows me to do a bunch of this extra freelance work um anything i've gotten on fox has been uh i've been hired kind of through the Big East um because the Big East has a, a partnership with fox that's what all of our uh, television deals are through um, like our entire men's basketball tournament and women's um, were either on Fox Sports 2, Fox Sports 1, and then our men's national championship was on the big Fox. So anything uh, that I've worked on Fox has really been through my bosses or uh, people at the Big East pushing for me and then Fox kind of giving the final approval. Um Anything I've done on ESPN3, which is mostly the America East, uh, I did some math this year as well. Um, that's all separate. That's really just freelance work uh, of me having reached out to them. Um, I had done work for them last year, so they brought me back again this year. Um, but that's kind of the nice part about being uh, part-time with the Big East is it does give me these extra opportunities, and they're very you know, very flexible with me. So for instance, when I was offered the America East women's tournament, um, that fell on the first two days of the big East women's tournament. Um, but they knew, you know, that was a really good opportunity for me to do color. So they were perfectly fine with me going to that for the first two days and then coming over to Chicago for the big East for Monday and Tuesday. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've definitely been fortunate with, uh, having bosses who are kind of have my best interests in mind and will always allow me to kind of take an opportunity. Um, similar, actually, last year, I was offered to do sideline reporting for the first night of the Atlantic 10 men's tournament, which was going to be on uh, regional television, uh, SNY, Sportsnet New York. And that was the first time I'd been offered anything on TV. Uh, so my bosses at the Big East were uh kind enough to let me miss the first night of Big East tournament uh, to take advantage of that opportunity. So it's it's a lot of moving parts and a lot of having to be uh, very strict on scheduling and making sure you're not double booking yourself or overbooking yourself. But fortunately, I've found a way to make it all work and, and have people who are willing to kind of work with my schedules. Yeah, and that's awesome that your bosses are supportive and and pulling for you, and sounds like pushing to help get you there. Those uh those FS1 jobs and everything. So that's uh that's really cool that it's able to all work out. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh it's been really great. I did a lot more color commentary this year than I had last year, um, which I was really happy about because I I find that that's something that separates me from a lot of other females who are 
fighting to make it in this industry um, just because I did, you know, I do have the background of a Division One athlete, which allows me to do other things that uh, not everybody can. So, yeah, I did a lot more color and was excited to uh, do the entire American Youth Tournament up until the semis. Yeah, actually, I wanted to ask you about your background and because uh, you're, you have a playing career, but even before then, you came from a huge basketball family. And I know you've told me a little about this before, but your dad is a ref and was your mom a coach, if I remember that right? Could you uh, just tell me a little bit about the, the sort of the basketball household that you grew up in? Yeah, of course. Uh, so, yeah, definitely come from a, a huge basketball family. Uh, I guess to start, both of my parents uh, played at the Division One level. My dad at Colgate. I know you're a, a Patriot League alum, so shout out to the Patriot League. Shout out to the Patriot um, League, yep. <laughs> And uh, my mom played at William and Mary, um, and then my dad went on to play professionally in France for about four years. Um, and he came back and and went to law school. But in addition to working as a lawyer, he also got back in the game by officiating. Uh, so he, I don't know, he's been a, a Division One official for probably at least twenty years now. Um, Worked in the Big East for about 10 years, worked about 10 NCAA tournaments. Um, he had a little bit of a health issue, and when the Big East started kind of expanding a little bit out to the Midwest, he couldn't really keep up with the travel schedule in addition to his main job. Um, so he still works about five or six conferences all uh, up and down the East Coast, uh, the MAC, America East, Patriot, Ivy, Colonial. Um, so he's still very involved in that. Um, but that, I think that's really like how I got to love basketball so much was going to the games that he refed. I mean, we'd be going to like classic UConn Georgetown games. And as when I was like six or seven years old, and I remember my mom like always telling me stories about me asking her why everyone was yelling at dad and stuff like that. <laughs> Um, but those games were like incredible. So that's why I'm like very like honored to be working at the Big East now, even yeah, though that's it awesome. is old school Big uh, East games too. That's great. So you were, were you at <laughs> conference games or were you in the garden or, uh, for some of those memorable games? Yeah, both. Um, the, I mean, I can remember being at the Hartford Civic Center, uh, which I think is now called the XL Center where UConn played their on-campus games. Um, like, those are kind of the memories I have, St. John's. And then I do remember uh, kind of just going as a fan to the Big East tournament at the Garden when he was wrestling there. Um, so, yeah, just I really think that that's how I got to really fall in love with the game. And we got to go to some of his NCAA tournament games if they were uh, kind of in the area. I remember we went to D.C. once for the D.C. Regional. That was the year. I think George Mason won it. Um, so just like a, a, a ton of great college basketball memories. Um, and then, yeah, in addition to my parents, my brothers are athletes as well. My brother, Ryan, who's two years younger than me, he played uh, Division Three at Ursinus. And then my youngest brother, he broke the mold. He's, he's the black sheep of the family. He chose to play baseball. So he's currently a, a sophomore at University of Richmond uh, on their baseball team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just a crazy family of athletes grew up playing one-on-one in the driveway, shooting out there all day. And 
Um, and yeah, I think you mentioned it too. My mom was actually my high school coach uh, at White Plains High School. We won uh, four straight section one championships. I was a part of three of them, and they won uh, one more after I graduated. And we played in two state championships. Unfortunately, lost both times. Um, so that was just kind of a really special, unique experience having so much success uh, with her as my coach. Yeah, very cool. And I feel that I, uh, I for some reason, it stuck with me. I remembered that your dad was a ref, but had totally forgotten that he also had a pro basketball career. Which, uh, so, uh, but that's uh, that's awesome to hear those those stories. And I'm sure those uh, having him to ref the games in your driveway were uh, were exciting. Yeah. And uh, I, I can only imagine having siblings myself. I know uh, I know what those are like. Um, so you played basketball at Penn. Um, did you? I mean, did you pick Penn? because of the basketball team or did, is that just where you wanted to go and you also wanted to play basketball? How much, uh, how much was playing uh, and continuing to play at a D1 school part of your decision to go there? Yeah, so it was, it was definitely a mix. Um, something I'm, I think a lot of people might not know about me is I was also a, a high level swimmer. I was actually better at swimming. Uh, I had all American consideration times. I qualified for junior nationals. Um, I had more scholarship offers for swimming than I did for basketball. Um, and, and swimming is a sport where most people in it are swimming 12 months a year, and that is the only sport they do. So I was a little bit of a different case because basketball was my favorite sport. I, I still enjoyed swimming, but I just had more passion towards basketball. So I was only swimming year-round a few months out of the year, but could still compete uh, with people who were training all year-round. Um, so my decision, it, it was a very stressful one for sure because um, I had some more opportunities swimming-wise. Um, I could have gone a lot more places for swimming. Um, so my, my final three choices came down to uh, Penn for basketball and then Northwestern or Duke for swimming. Um, and obviously those are all, you know, reputable academic schools. So that was really the most important part for me as I, I worked very hard in school, uh, in high school or really my whole life. And, um, that was always number one in my family education. Um, so I wanted to go somewhere, um, where I was going to get a great, great degree. So really any of those places, uh, would have been pretty good. Um, and at the end of the day, it, it just really came down to me wanting to play basketball. Um, I felt that if I swam in college, especially at a place like Duke where basketball rules the campus, um, I would have really missed a game. And also, I remember at Duke, they told me uh, for the swim team, you practiced at 6 a.m., six days a week. So I wasn't sure how much of a life uh, I was going to have. And um, Penn had been kind of late in the game for me. For some reason, I just never really was interested in, in going to school right in a city, and, and Penn is in Philadelphia. Um, so I was kind of hesitant to visit it. I kind of took an unofficial visit, where, which is where you go kind of when you're a junior to kind of meet with the staff and scope out the school. And even then, I wasn't crazy about it. Um, and then when I went on my official visit, um, I don't know, it was a bit different. I just felt like that would be the right place for me. Um, so I ended up choosing there. Um, 
looking back, I, I definitely didn't have like the career experience I would have liked. So looking back, I think I would have waited out my senior year of uh, basketball to decide because I, I just felt so stressed at that time, like choosing to score, choosing a school that I thought I should decide early, which was like by the November 1st deadline. Um, so in retrospect, I think I would have rather played out my senior year. I had a, a bunch of schools uh, telling me that they were going to watch my senior year, and then I ended up having a really good senior year. So I think I would have had um, some more options. But, um, hey, at the end of the day, I, you know, I have a degree from Penn, and I think that that's helped me, um, you know, maybe get into this a little bit later. But, like, you went to Northwestern. If I hadn't gone to Penn, would I have gotten into Northwestern? Um, so I try not to, uh, you know, beat myself up over it too much or uh, get stuck in the past. But, you know, in retrospect, you always think maybe you would have done a, a few things differently. But um, at the end of the day, I – uh, didn't have the basketball experience that I would have liked, but went to a great school, met some great friends, and um, and can always say I'm a Penn alum. Yeah, and another thing on the plus side, you got to play home games in the Palestra, right? Which for people who don't know, uh, being from Philly, I mean, the Palestra is like a basketball, basketball cathedral. What was it like having uh, games in that famous gym? Yeah, it was pretty special. I mean, it, even though women's basketball doesn't draw the same – crowd for the most part uh, on the men's side but just to you know coming from such like a basketball junkie family um, that all that stuff is really appealing for me and to walk around the concourses and see all the players who have come through there and played Kobe Bryant uh, Mark Aguirre that was all pretty special Um, and then yeah I mean they would have like the high school championships being played in there kind of when we were wrapping up our season and it would be packed with kids. Um, and then when the men would host big time teams like UNC came in there when I was a student there. Um, so to see it filled up and see the big five games, um, it's pretty cool. And just continuing to like read about all the history whenever they do the top, top five venues in college basketball, knowing that that's where I practice every single day and, played all my home games is pretty cool yeah I have some experience I uh I I grew up outside of Philly and I went to a wrestling camp at Penn uh, a couple times and we used to practice so I've uh I've been beaten up and pinned in the palestra that's my experience there (laughs) hopefully you weren't there in the summer well you probably were when it's a million degrees in there Oh, yeah, I was definitely there in the summer. But uh, somehow, I don't know how. Whoever I have on, Philly always seems to come up. It's a, a recurring theme. I always, Whoever it is, I find a way to start talking about Philly. I need uh, – I just have, like, recurring Philly questions. Like, I should ask, do you have, you have a favorite Wawa hoagie, a good uh, Philly memory? Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, I would go to Wawa all the time. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty basic. I'll get, like – I'll just get like ham and cheese with bacon on it. Um, that was pretty much my go-to. But yeah, I was I was always in Wawa. Uh, I miss having those. And, and my brother went to school in the Philly area too. So anytime we go back, we we have to make sure we stop at a Wawa and get some cheese steaks. Um, 
definitely got to got to live it up. This is now. This is going to be my new go-to question for everybody after they talk about Philly until eventually I get Wawa <laughs> to sponsor and and do ads for the podcast. That's my my new goal now is to get a Wawa sponsorship here. So. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, if we're going to hype it up like that. Yeah, that's that's want to be a part of it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so then. So then you graduated, and then it was a couple years before, and like you said, we uh, we met at Northwestern in grad school there. So you went back to school specifically knowing you wanted to do broadcast work uh, for basketball. Is that right, or were you just kind of thinking that was a good next step? Like how? Because what you're doing now is it sounds like it's pretty close to exactly what you want to be doing. Uh, was that your plan when you went back to school to be doing what you are right now? Yeah, I had a, a pretty specific uh, path in mind. So when I graduated from Penn, I had studied communications. Um, we never had a journalism major, broadcasting, anything like that that I could get involved with. Um, obviously, we had a, a school paper, but I just didn't really have the time to get involved since I was a student athlete as well. Um, so while I was in college, I did a few internships on the business side. I, I interned at MLB for two summers. Um, really had a great time. Loved it. Uh, also inter- interned at Comcast Sportsnet in Philly uh, one semester. So I had been kind of more on the business side uh, and enjoyed it. So I got my first full-time job out of school was with Turner Sports. Uh, they're headquartered in Atlanta, but I was in the New York office. And that was in ad sales, television ad sales, so booking ads for NBA on TNT, uh, MLB on TBS, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I started off doing that and really never was crazy about it. Um, just found myself kind of going through the motions and wasn't really enjoying it. Um, so that's when I started to think, you know, I had always, you know, since high school, really, had always thought about a career in, in sports reporting, sports broadcasting, and just never really had the chance to pursue it in undergrad. Um, so I started to think about it, and I thought the only way I, I really could break into it, given that I had absolutely no experience, was to go back to school for it. Um, so I started researching some schools. I knew if I, I, if I was going to go back, I wanted to go to a top place and um, I don't think I've ever told anyone this, but I, I knew Northwestern had a, a very reputable, excellent uh, journalism school, especially for sports, but I had never heard of Medill, the name Medill. I didn't know it was the Medill School of Journalism. Um, when I first saw it, I didn't even know how to pronounce it. Was it Medill, Medill? Uh, I really had just never heard of it. So somewhere along the road, I figured out the pronunciation, uh, realized how excellent of a school it was. Um, so I, I went ahead and applied to their Syracuse and Columbia, and I wasn't really too uh, confident that I would get in anywhere just because I literally had no experience uh, in journalism. Um, I, I felt I was a strong writer. That had always kind of been my uh, strongest area academically, but that was, you know, writing 10-page papers. That wasn't writing articles or stories or anything like that. So I, I kind of just applied and was like, you know, if I get in, I get in. If not, it, you know, it wasn't uh, meant to be. And, uh, yeah, I studied for the GRE, which 
I did not do very well on. So, again, I thought, oh, man, I'm never going to get in now. I don't remember the exact score or anything like that, but I just remember being like, wow, I, I still do a lot for this and didn't do too uh, too well. Um, so then uh, it turned out I, I got into uh, both Medill and uh, Newhouse at Syracuse. And all along, I knew if I got into Northwestern, that's where I wanted to go. Um, so, yeah, once I got in, I... I remember I was working at Turner at the time. Um, I'd been there for probably about a year. Yeah, uh, a year or so, year and a half. And I remember just getting, I think I got the email to say, like, check your messages or whatever. And I logged on and saw I got in. And I literally, like, kind of started, like, welling up at my desk and just thought, like, wow, like, I think this could really change my life. Um, so yeah, I remember having to go through like the rest of the work day, just like so excited, but not really telling anyone. Um, so that was in February and, and I was supposed to start school in September. So it was kind of a long way away. Um, so I continued working at Turner through, uh, June. So another few months kind of waited until the basketball season was over. Cause that's our very busy time. So I didn't, you know, want to leave them out to dry or anything like that. Um, so I ended up working here for just a little bit shy of two years. Um, and then, yeah, packed up and moved to Chicago for a year. And, uh, yeah, I met Mitch Goldich, pretty, <laughs> pretty nice perk. And, um, yeah, so I started there in September. And the nice thing about the program is it's just one year, even though it is a very intense and tough one year. But <laughs> I was done the following August. And then, uh, and then soon after, moved back to New York and got a job close to where you grew up, which is nice. Um, yeah. So now, so you, so at Turner, it sounds like you were doing a little bit. You were more involved with the NBA, even though now, obviously, it's different being a reporter and and uh, and that kind of thing. But do you have one that you prefer when when you think long term? Would you rather be working uh, in college basketball or pros as a, either a reporter or an analyst or in the studio or anything? Like that, which of the two would you rather be, uh, or is your goal to be uh, working in? Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about that recently. Um, I mean, I I just love college basketball so much. Um, I think I kind of just have found a little bit of a, a niche there. Um, but then again, you know, I I haven't had experience covering the NBA, so uh, maybe if I was given a shot like that, I would love that it love that as well um i mean i also love baseball i'd love to do some baseball i i covered the big east baseball championships out at td ameritrade park where they played the college world series so that was pretty cool um so i mean i'm you know so new to the business i don't want to limit myself or turn down any opportunities um but i'd say kind of maybe a combination of of both college and basketball, if I uh, college and NBA basketball, if I absolutely had to choose at this point, I might say college. Um, but I look at somebody who's at, who's pretty new to the business as well, but moving up really quickly. Um, I, I haven't gotten to meet her yet, but her name is uh, Roz Gold on Woody. She's a former Stanford basketball player. Um, she is the Golden State Warriors sideline reporter for Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area. Um, but she also now has started to do some sideline for NBA on TNT, NBA TV. Uh, I just saw she 
got named a sideline reporter for the NCAA tournament. Um, so somebody like that is kind of doing it all at both levels. She does uh, color commentary as well uh, for women's hoops and maybe even men's hoops now too. Um, so she's really someone that I was kind of uh, latched onto as like a potential kind of someone to look up to and hope to have a similar path. Um, so, I mean, I would love to be able to kind of hop back and forth between both. But, um, I, I mean, I do, I love the college basketball. If, if I was told I would be a, a college basketball reporter, broadcaster, whatever, for the rest of my life, I think I, I would be pretty happy with that. Yeah, and so what's it been like for you the last couple of years just really throwing yourself into Big East basketball and becoming an expert on all those teams? And I follow you on Twitter, and I can give you a plug I normally do at the end, but at Kim, Adam, Kim underscore Adams one, uh, and your feed is just Big East basketball facts all day. <laughs> what's, uh, in, in, you know, in, in a good way, and I know your following has been blowing up with Big East basketball fans, <laughs> and I see them uh, going back and forth with you all the time. Uh, I mean, what's it been like? How much work has that been? Because um, you've always followed basketball, but to become an expert on the Big East and follow both men's and women's, how much work does that take and how much fun has that been for you? Yeah, I mean, I honestly wouldn't consider it work. I mean, I think that's that's where I'm, you know, a special case compared to a lot of other females is I am a basketball junkie. I can watch 12 games in a day and not get tired of it. So I genuinely love watching these Big East games. I love watching our teams. Um, and, and that's really the only reason I've gotten to know every player, every coach, every storyline, uh, is because I genuinely love watching these games. Um, like I'm bummed out when I have to like go to the gym or do something else other than watch basketball for one. Because a lot of times I'm, you know, leaving the office at six and our first game is starting at seven. Uh, so, so a lot of times I'll, I'll head to the gym and sometimes I'll have it at the gym or I can get it on our app. Um, so whenever I like can't watch the games, I definitely get some FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I'm a basketball junkie at the end of the day. I think that's it. Um, same on the women's side. I just, I've loved getting to know, uh, our women are like really inspiring. Some of them are just so talented. Um, and just seeing them fight and compete. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I've gotten to be an expert is just watching so many games, um, reading up on the teams. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the fan stuff, I guess has just kind of come along with that. Uh, I don't, I've, yeah, it seems like in the last, really this season, my like, followers picked up um people i was i was saying this to my mom the other day what what i think is really cool um is no one seems to look at me as a female like most of my followers fans who are talking to me about Big East are males and rarely do i get a, any sort of comment about me being a female not knowing what i'm talking about like it seems like everyone like genuinely respects my opinion and asks me questions so so that's been like really cool. Just they don't look at me as a female reporter. They look at me as a reporter, um, which is awesome. And it doesn't seem like is always the case for females. But I think, you know, people do know that I was a player. And, and when they're reading stuff I write, they can tell that I really do know what I'm talking about. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I, I love interacting with the fans. Some of them are pretty funny. And um, yeah, this season I started doing a, a weekly power rankings and people lose their minds over it and it's great. Uh, but it really just gets a conversation going. And um, I think, I, I always think it's nice for people to have a, a direct person to go to um, instead of, you know, the Big East conference account where you're not really getting any answers. Um, so I think it's nice for people to know that uh, me and some of my coworkers, Kaylee Griffin, John Fanta, who uh, have similar roles as me, if they have a question about a team, a scheduling question, they, they can come to us and know that we're going to have an answer for them. Um, so I think, you know, we've just kind of built up a reputation as knowing everything that's going on about every team. Um, so maybe if someone's a Butler fan and they come to us for, information on Creighton if they're playing them this week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of built up a nice uh, rapport with the fans. And um, a lot, you know, I met a, a bunch of them at the tournament that came up to me and knew who I was and say they really enjoy my stuff and love my analysis and all that kind of stuff. So, so that's been cool. It's just kind of good feedback to, to know that people appreciate and, and respect the work you've been doing. Yeah, that's awesome. And I actually, that was one of my questions I wanted to ask you about was, because you've mentioned a couple of times about like how your playing career is one of the things that sets you apart. And I didn't know if you feel like you have to almost go out of your way to talk about your playing career so that people know, you know, how much credibility you have. Because, you know, I think we both know stereotypes about some uh, sideline reporters. And, you know, is it hard to sort of stand up and say, hey, I'm legit and I know what I'm talking about. But it sounds like you <laughs> almost answered my question before I even got to it that uh, that you've had that experience. Do you have that with um, like the players and coaches you've gotten to know? Do you because uh, I don't know how maybe they follow you on Twitter, too. But do you uh, in your interactions with them sort of talk about your own career, maybe even off air just to kind of build up your own credibility? What are your interactions like with uh, with the players and coaches in the conference? Right. Yeah. Um, I always, I always like them to know that I did play the game. Um, so, you know, sometimes it, it it always depends on, you know, do I have, do I get to talk to this coach before the game or is my live interview with him the first time uh, we're speaking? But I think even if I, even if I don't, um, even if they don't know that I played, I think right away when I, start interviewing them they can just tell that I understand the game so um I've gotten pretty good feedback um from coaches on asking really good questions so instead of the old oh how do you how do you think the first half went coach um I may say something like you know they are they're really clogging the paint with that two three zone uh what can you guys do better to attack that next half um so you know I think it kind of catches coaches off guard a little bit when you, when you hit them with that type of a question, when they might just be expecting the, what are you going to do better or something like that? Um, so yeah. And, and what's also been cool is um, a lot of these coaches actually know my dad from refing. Um, yeah. So that has been a, a really nice kind of icebreaker uh, with a lot of these coaches. Like uh, just the other day I interviewed uh, Jay Wright for the first time, the coach of Villanova. Um, it, w- it wasn't a live interview or anything like that. I was interviewing him on his uh, Big East Coach of the Year award, and um, my dad knew him from when he was a coach at Hofstra, and my dad was refing him. 
Um, so kind of right off the bat, I said, hey, my, my dad said to say hello. And right away, that kind of broke the ice. And, and most of these coaches, like, for some reason, love my dad. I guess he called some some uh, calls in their favor. Uh, or or they're, still, they're still working the reps. They just, in case they have a <laughs> right, future right. game, they want to be on his good side. Yeah, same thing with uh, Coach Ed Cooley at Providence. He had come from Fairfield where my dad roughed a ton of his games. And as soon as uh, I told him that he was my dad, he literally gave me a big hug and acted like I was part of the family. Uh, so, I mean, that's been really cool and something that I'm definitely thankful for for my dad because most of these coaches do know him. And, you know, he has talked to them over the years and they knew that I played and stuff like that. So, um, that. That's definitely been a bit of an, an icebreaker. Um, that's that's kind of been luck, something lucky that has kind of worked in my favor, I think. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these players, and, and I see, and you post videos where you're interviewing them after games or studio work. So some of these, I mean, I don't know how well you get to know them, but like, so a guy like Chris Dunn at Providence, who looks like he'll probably go to the NBA, is that the kind of guy where you know him well enough that he's like a future source for you? Or like if a coach moves on to a job at a bigger program or, to, or takes a leap to the NBA even, is that where like, you know, these are future sources for you that you uh, would be able to reach out to? Or do you think you don't really know them uh, uh, like quite to that level? No, I, I think definitely, um, I think anytime you kind of meet someone as you're both moving up and, the industry you can kind of like strike a chord there so this was I actually just interviewed Chris Dunn uh this week and it was my first time really personally meeting him um so that was the first time I've interviewed him but um there's players where I've interviewed a few times where I can tell that you know we've definitely developed a rapport and I think they feel comfortable talking to me um like for example Henry Ellenson who will also likely be a top 10 pick this year he's a freshman out of Marquette um, I first interviewed him at Media Day back in October. I interviewed him again uh, in about November, December, when they played at uh, one of those, you know, preseason tournaments at Barclays Center. And then I interviewed him again this week when he won the Big East Freshman of the Year Award. Um, so I think, you know, you can tell that they know who you are now. They they know you're that you know what you're talking about. Um, a lot of them do follow me on Twitter, so I think they, you know, I'm aware of who I am and that I really study up on the Big East. Um, the only, like, I'd say negative is we don't get to go to a lot of regular season games, so we're not really interacting with the players that much during the season. Um, so it's more media day, tournament. Um, occasionally we get to go to some regular season games. But I'd say, like, kind of any time I've interviewed a player once, twice, now three times, um, you know, they look forward to talking to me and know that they can trust me. And and I feel like I can kind of get them to open up and feel comfortable. Um, Like, the other day I interviewed Isaiah Whitehead, who was just named the most outstanding player of the tournament. And um, I didn't get to interview him at media day, but I remembered him being very, like, stoic and very, very few words. Um, so when I interviewed him the other day after his win, like I, I really wanted to make sure that I was kind of getting him to open up. So I, you know, talked to him a little bit before we actually went on camera and it was like, you know, I just wanted it, wanted him to smile and be happy. And I mean, I'm sure it helps when you just won a big game. 
Um, but he was, you know, seemed really engaging. So I just always want to make that person feel comfortable talking to me and trust me and want to open up. Is it uh, harder? Because I know you mentioned some people, they go nuts on the power rankings, and I know that you always give your your straight opinion and aren't trying to BS people. But is it tougher when you're interacting with players and coaches to then come out and, uh, you know, I don't know how critical you've been of any teams or, you know, if you're watching a game and it's not going well, is it is it tough to, you know, even something that maybe isn't the most negative, but maybe somebody might see it and think it's negative. Is it harder to be honest about those teams you're covering when you're also interacting with some of these guys? Yeah, I mean, I definitely am. I'm definitely more positive, I think, just because I work for the actual conference. Like, we can't really go out there and bash teams or players. Uh, not that I would ever do that. Um, I, I think also my background as an athlete kind of makes me think twice before I were to judge somebody because I've gone out there and had a game where I shoot one for 15. Um, so, I mean, I think being an athlete, like sometimes, yeah, it's, it's people's jobs to, to, you know, either criticize or recognize performances. Um, but I think, just knowing that like I was an athlete who's been written about before all always makes me have a little bit of a softer side for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, all year long, I, I picked Xavier as my number one team and, uh, was very high on them. And, you know, Nova fans are always kind of getting on me for why are they ahead of Villanova, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I've never had a player like come up to me and be like, Oh, I saw you pick Xavier ahead of us. Um, so I don't know how much of that stuff they've seen or take it to heart. Um, so yeah, I guess I couldn't, I don't have a great answer just because I've never had a player like publicly say something to me about anything I've tweeted. Um, but yeah, I get like in my role with the biggies, I do have to, kind of sway it positively most of the time just because I am representing uh, the conference. But, I mean, there's times where I'll be like, you know, it's clear that when this certain player isn't on, this team doesn't do very well. Um, but that's probably as, like, as harsh as I would get at this stage. Okay, so I have one last question for you. And sorry to say I'm going, okay. to, put you on, I'm going to put you on the spot here. There are five... Okay. Five Big East teams in the tournament, which we're taping on Monday night and tournament starts on Thursday or the first four and then the, the real action starts Thursday. Can you tell me how far each of the five Big East teams will go in March Madness this year? <laughs> All right. I'm looking at my bracket right now that I just filled out. Okay. All right. So I have Villanova, who's a two seed. I have them going to the Elite Eight, losing to Kansas. <laughs> Butler... I have Butler winning one game and then losing to Virginia. Uh, Providence, I have them winning their opening round game over USC, and then they have a tough draw. They face UNC. I have UNC winning that one. Then I'm I've, I'm, I'm confident in Xavier and Seton Hall. I, people didn't think I'm crazy, but I, I actually have both of them in the final four. Oh, wow. And I have Xavier... I have Xavier winning the entire championship. <laughs> really? So how much of that is you, the eyeball test, you've seen them all year, and how much of that is part of you thinking, hey, I was on Xavier all year from the preseason, won't I look smart if they win the whole thing? 
I just I think Xavier is such a talented team. Um, they did not play their game in the Big East tournament when they lost to Seton Hall in the semis, but Seton Hall is on an incredible run right now. Uh, I just I mean I've heard he has at the beginning of the season Jay Billis was saying he thinks Xavier is talented enough to win it all. Lately they haven't been uh, in the conversation. I haven't heard many people saying they think they'll be in the Final Four, but I just think they are so talented. They are deep at every single position. They have athletes. They have people that can shoot. Um, lately, their their defense hasn't been as strong as it was. They've been giving up a lot of points, so I think that's where they're going to have to make the biggest adjustment to, de- to make a deep run. And then Seton Hall, I may be kind of riding the wave a little bit. Uh, they, they would have to beat Michigan State. They'd have to beat Virginia. Um, so that's a little bit of a of a gamble there. Um, but I don't know. They're they're playing really well. They have Isaiah Whitehead, a bunch of guards who are just playing out of their minds right now. They play hard. They defend. Um, so I don't know. That's definitely a big stretch of the pick there. But I was feeling good about it <laughs> yeah well and your your Big East fans will be happy to to see that that's what you have and and it could uh could turn out great for you I I didn't mention but I actually I was at the Big East uh semis that night I was blown away with how good Seton Hall looked and my friend who I was there with we were talking about it the next day we kind of regretted that we didn't bet on Seton Hall to finish it off and beat Nova the next day because they just looked so much better in the semis they looked like a really good team so yeah they are um I forget I'm trying to look it up quickly, but I, they've won maybe like 13 out of their last 15 and like nine in a row or something at this point. And they, they beat Xavier twice in the past few weeks. Um, obviously they had lost to Nova twice in the regular season and then knocked them off. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot to say about momentum, confidence and guard play in the NCAA tournament. And, Seton Hall has all three of those things. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you uh, everyone heard it here first from somebody who knows. Uh, Xavier <laughs> winning the whole thing and Seton Hall in the final four. So, uh, Kim, I want to say thanks again. This was a lot of fun. appreciate you taking the time to do this. And, uh, no problem. Everyone else out there, you should definitely follow Kim on Twitter. Uh, she's at Kim underscore Adams one, which I guess that means – Kim Adams and Kim underscore Adams were taken and yet you got stuck with the one or was that your number, your playing number or that just happened? No, that's just, that's the downside of having a very common first name and a very common last name. You always have to get a little bit creative with it because Kim Adams is always going to be taken. Yeah, you're going to have to reach out like the way uh, when a guy gets traded to a new team and he, he buys the, the guy with his number of Rolex so he can take it. You're going to have to find the other, <laughs> the other Kim Adamses and, and get him some Rolexes and, and drop that one on your name. But anyway, everybody follow Kim because uh, I'm sure she's going to be tweeting for sure all the Big East games and info and everything else in the rest of the tournament, I assume, too. Uh, so that'll be a fun follow. And you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Mitch Goldich, G-O-L-D-I-C-H. And while you're at it, feel free to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Some of my recent previous guests have included Jason Stark, Jeff Perlman, Will Leach, Jill Kapadia. It's been a lot of fun talking to people like them and Kim who are in the business and just talking to them about their everyday jobs. So feel free to go back and listen to some old episodes. And then again, if you're feeling really generous, you can also leave a rating or a review. 
Um, I do have a plan. I don't want to give too many details away, but baseball opening day is coming up, and I have something in the works for the end of March that's going to be fun, but probably a little bit weird, but some of you might enjoy it, and I'll let the suspense uh, do the rest. Uh, so feel free to check that out. I have a Facebook page where I put links to the podcast and everything that I'm writing at SI, and everything's up on my site at MitchGoldich.com. So once again, thanks to Kim, and I'll talk to all of you again later.